Uh, my wife is watching online. I think some other people, um, family members are watching online. Good morning. Uh, glad that you're here. Um, okay, first, because I was struck by that last song, close your eyes for a second and imagine um, being up at Green Bluff and being maybe at you know one of my favorite places, Big Barn up there or one of the orchards. And having a blue, like having a stand-up bass and a violin and some extra, you know, I don't, and I'm not a musical like Tim, but like, oh man, I could just see us dancing and singing that song and just repeat on repeat on repeat. So that was a blessing this morning. Thank you for, for sharing that. Um, wow. So I was here last uh, Good Friday. Uh, many of you were with us and we were out in the freezing cold. I mean, I did not dress appropriately for the uh, weather that night. Clear skies, beautiful moon, incredible uh, Good Friday service outside with a really small gas fire pit that did not warm anybody uh, out there. So we're going to have to work on that next year. Uh, but I was so gracious, grateful that uh, James invited me. I guess, you know, like he said, that was my idea because we kind of thought like, Christmas Eve, we were out in the blizzard, and then it snowed on Good Friday, and so we did this full, you know, full circle of being back outside that night. Um, I had the privilege to stop by Sunday morning and see all of, most of you uh, Easter Sunday, last Sunday. My daughter and I keep a tradition where we go up to Greenwood Memorial Cemetery, and we enjoy the sunrise service up there, and then I was like, hey, I want to stop in and give, give James a hug and say hi to everybody, saw the beautiful spread of food. Uh, but then we went to our church uh, after that. What a week it's been. Um, how many of you guys, like, think about the, 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 the culmination of Easter, right? To, the, to Sunday morning, all the anticipation, you get excited, depending on what, you know, service is going to be like, and, and then what your family plans are, and all of those things, and then Monday hits. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Um, and you think about Monday and Tuesday, right? And then we all, we all just kind of go back to, like, life, right? We just go back to the grind. We go back to work. We go back to some of the issues and the problems and the challenges we're faced. And, um, and then, you know, we, we come back. We're here this Sunday, right? And I want to pause this morning before I kind of really get into what we're going to do because I asked James if we could be creative this morning and do something a little different, which we're going to. But this has been a heavy week, and I know it's been a heavy week for some of you sitting here in the church, but last Sunday night, Easter Sunday night, I believe it was around 11 o'clock in the evening, uh, Mike Tom- or, uh, excuse me, Nate Thompson, Chris's husband, uh, passed away, I believe from pancreatic cancer, really short, from diagnosis to, to that, he passed away and went home to be with Jesus, and he's whole and, and complete, but... Again, we, we, we mourn. Um, I, my heart breaks for Pris, and I can't imagine losing my wife and losing, you know, losing a spouse and, and what life is you know, going on. Monday comes, and Tuesday comes, and Wednesday comes. And so um, that was kind of heavy. And Nate, man, what an incredible man. Um, loved hearing his stories. My family and I had the privilege to go to his house and have dinner, and he took us downstairs and showed us all these different artifacts from their missionary trips and their, their time overseas and uh, the ministry they did. And so he's just an incredible guy if you've ever, ever met him. How many, most of you guys know Nate and Chris, right? Raise your hand if you know. Okay, so yeah. And then 
Later in this last week, Thursday, I get a text from Pete Copland, who many of you know Pete. Pete's uh, um, started Downriver Church, and now his transition, he's actually leading a church here uh, in the Garland District uh, called uh, City Church. And uh, one of their executive pastors, Jason Krause, his wife passed away on Thursday. Do you know about? Did you? Oh, thank you so much. I was uh, Andrea. Andrea Krause passed away on Thursday, early 40s. And she's early 40s. They have one daughter that they adopted. Um, again, I'm just, my heart breaks. Like, you know, coming off of a weekend where we're celebrating life and the resurrection and we're excited, yet life also, you know, hits us hard through the week and as we go forward. And so, if you don't mind, I'd like to pray for Pris and Jason. Uh, Andrea's husband, and uh, just kind of lift them up today because I can only imagine, again, the emotion and what they're going through. So, Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you that we are here to celebrate and and to reflect on uh, just the truth of you raising us to life through the resurrection of your son. God, I lift up Pris to you, and I lift up the Thompson family, and I pray you bring them strength and comfort. I know they have hope. Uh, they have the truth that, that uh, Nate is with you, whole and complete in, in glory. And, uh, and yet, God, for us that remain here, we grieve and we miss uh, his sarcasm and his um, love for you and his love for life and his love for his wife and, uh, Lord, for restoring cars and all the things that, that he uh, put his, his hands and his heart and his mind into. And so... Will you just uh, be with Chris this morning, give her strength and encouragement, uh, help her to continue on, help her to know that you are not done with her life, that you will continue to bring um, fruit and great ministry, but uh, we ask that you would just uh, love and bring your grace around her. And Lord, for Jason Krause and for the uh, City Church uh, and their congregation, Lord, uh, losing Andrea in really quick uh, order and with not a lot of um, preparation, I pray that the same for Jason that he would experience your strength and your comfort. Uh, thank you, God, for the family that they have around them, the church family. Thank you, use uh, Pastor Pete and others to minister to the Kraus family. And uh, God, we just again thank you. Pray that you would encourage us today and what we share, what we hear, uh, and how your Holy Spirit moves in our lives. So we thank, thank you for these people and ask that you be with them in your name. Amen. Well, um, James has been talking the last two weeks uh, about, it's not a secret anymore, right? So Nick at Night, which I love, uh, Joe, and the, kind of their journey to take Jesus off the cross, prepare him for burial, to give up uh, a brand new tomb, all of the incredible depth and complexity of that, and uh, for them to kind of take the lid off. Like, it's not a secret anymore that they're following Christ. They've, they've entered into the light. They've, they've exposed that they uh, love and uh, deeply are committed to, to Jesus. Well, um, if we carry on with that story, as we ce celebrated the resurrection last Sunday, do you know that every Sunday is supposed to be a mini Easter? 
It's am- I mean, all the songs that Tim and the worship team picked out lead us again and again to this new life that we find in Christ, this resurrected life, the power of the Holy Spirit living within us and the hope for, for humanity. Every Sunday, we should, we should be excited. We should, we should gather together on the Lord's Day and continue to uh, celebrate and, and uh, spend time in worship of the Lord. Uh, so as we carry on with the story a little bit, uh, you see in all four Gospels, all of a sudden there's, there's uh, you know, the, the Great Commission, right? Jesus telling those to, to go out in Matthew, to go out and, and make disciples and baptize them in the name and to command, you know, to listen to everything that he's commanded. We see the encounter uh, in the upper room where, where Jesus appears to them and he says, peace be with you. And he even says it twice. And then we uh, see Peter reinstated, right? And James shared about Peter denying Christ. You know, he's hiding the, the, the fact that he was one of his disciples and he was hiding and he denied him three times. And we, we uh, were outside on Good Friday and we see Jesus reinstate Peter. Peter, do you love me? If you love me, go feed my sheep. He, he gives this, this commission to, to Peter. And, uh, and then we see, uh, you know, a little bit later in John, towards the end of, of the book of John, uh, about Peter and uh, the disciple who Jesus loved. And James talked about that. You know, he likes to anonymously kind of brag about himself. Uh, that they uh, had bared witness. So you have all of these these witnesses, right? And, um, and Jesus is preparing them. I'm going to leave. I'm going to ascend to heaven. And now my spirit will be imparted on you. You will have power to go and bear witness, to give witness to the power of the resurrection, what you, what you saw with your eyes. And I can only imagine, think of how excited and, and just jacked up you would be to go and tell people about what you saw, that you saw the Son of Man be crucified, but yet then raised again, and, and you'd want to just, you know, shout it from the rooftops and go, well, I want to read this passage, and then um, the special treat that we have this morning is, I told James, like, I would much rather give an opportunity for somebody to come and bear witness to the resurrected life, to go from death to life. And that person this morning is, is my brother, my older brother, Jeff Lurie. And Jeff's here this morning. And I'm going to have him come up here in a second. But um, I want to read out of Acts chapter 1. And this uh, kind of Jesus' account that, you know, he, he stayed around for 40 days, as the scripture tells us, uh, after uh, his resurrection. And it says in verse 1, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my, for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when uh, they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? 
He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria. Again, you will be my witnesses. You will bear witness in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky and he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. I love it. It's like, why are you guys staring up in the sky? Jesus is gone. He's given you the commission. He's given you the directives. Go and bear witness. Go and share. And then what do we see in Acts? Like the, the church explodes, right? And through Paul and Timothy and all, you know, uh, all the churches that were formed and the people's lives that were touched. And it was, it was almost like you know, this explosion uh, of God's people, resurrected lives, going out and sharing the good news. Um, and today, I hope that uh, you guys will be encouraged, will be inspired by the good news of the resurrected life in my brother. But let me give you a little context before Jeff comes up. I wanted to interview him today because my brother's been battling uh, cancer for the last three and a half years. So three and a half years ago, he was um, diagnosed with prostate cancer. Went through the treatment. Uh, cancer's in remission. Prostate cancer's good. But then uh, 10 months ago, literally when I was last here preaching, I think within a week or two, and Jeff might have even been in the hospital when I was here last, um, was diagnosed with single-cell uh, carcinoma, and there was a uh, cancerous growth, growth on his bladder. And uh, since then, he's, he's chosen chemo treatment, has gone through that, and uh, has continued to battle. Um, but uh, the outlook physically is bleak. And he's going to share a little bit of, of, of that. But um, the inward um, power that God has had in his life and the joy that he brings to our family, to this world, just even in this last 10 months, um, as he clings to life here on earth, but he even more so clings to the resurrected power of Christ, is pretty amazing. And I think it's worth us listening today and to share. So with that, uh, will you give uh, a warm welcome to Jeff Lurie, my brother? Get the mic. Awesome. You might have to turn it off. No, check, check. Oh, it's not on. There we go. Yeah, you want to sit right there? Hard question is not falling off the stage here. <laughs> yeah, don't don't fall off. <laughs> Tell me if you're comfortable. Yeah. Good, good, good. Okay, a little bit about, so, Tale of Two Brothers. Um, we are uh, nine, 
Yeah, yeah, about yeah, nine nine years and nine months or some ten months is what we figured. Uh, Jeff is uh, 56 and I'm 47, and uh, we're half brothers. So my mom's here, our mom's here, um, and we both have different dads. And I've shared this before with friends and stuff. Like our family tree is like ice storm. You remember ice storm back was like 10, 12 years ago, right? Like just shattered limbs, limbs hanging on the ground, whatever. Yeah, that's our yeah that's uh, that's our, our family tree and so yeah very uh, very unique uh, family tree as we can say so really um, I have you know a few fond memories of us growing up but I was so much younger Jeff was was on the way but what I wanted to start off with is to have you share a little bit about your childhood because it is different than mine in some ways and uh, yeah just share a little bit briefly on that and then we'll get into some other questions and. Make sure you hold that up to me. Well, like Chris said, um, you know, I got 10 years on him. But um, my early, early memories uh, growing up, I was a happy kid. I had, uh, is that Oh, did I just? Anyways, um, I, I had a lot of really happy memories. Uh, grew up up by Manitou Park and... Um, I uh, was always was always a happy kid. Always um, brought a lot of sunshine with me. I like to say, <laughs> call it sunshine anyway. Um, but uh, I was my mom was a single parent, so she got a lot of help from my grandparents, which are no longer with us. May they rest in peace. But uh, my grandfather had immigrated from Greece, and so he was pretty hardcore, old-fashioned, set in his ways, and. So, you know, we made sure that we didn't have our elbows on the table, so say that, <laughs> you know. But anyways, um, I, uh, I think that I um, was always um, a, a kind kid and, and someone who respected my elders, which I was taught, and that was ingrained into me. <laughs> Excuse me. And um, for the most part, you know, we, we blended right in. You know, Mom made sure that we had you know, all the same clothes that everybody else had, even if we got them at the Goodwill or whatever, you know, but it was a little bit different, difficult, more difficult time growing up <clears throat> because of the single parent and, um, and that. But anyways, that's a little bit about uh, my childhood and who I was. And um, for instance, I entered a baby contest back then and won first place. You know, I don't know what happened since then. <laughs> But, but yeah, I, I, I did. I, I won first place, and I think a lot of that was not so much on, you know, your physical looks, but just um, your, your attitude and, and, you know, how you present yourself. And, and, you know, I try to show people respect and treat as I would like to be treated, you know, and that was instilled at a young age. Is that... Okay. Right, my, my dad, no, oh, there we go. My dad had um, left um, when I was about four, I guess. Was that about right? And, um, and so, you know, pretty much grew up without a, without a dad. Um, my grandparents were a big, big part of my uh, being raised. And mom did a wonderful job. She, uh, she was the type of mother that, well, for instance, for me to play hockey, um, which we didn't know that I had the skills to play hockey, but I did. 
And when we were told that, hey, you know, this kid could play on the rep team and do real well, my mom went out and uh, she got uh, sponsors and I just wore their patches on my jersey and my jackets and stuff as, as a young kid. And so I was able to go to Canada and play hockey about every weekend and um, really had a pretty good childhood, actually, you know, for the, for the situation, you know, but we made the most of it. And uh, we were always taught to, you know, make lemonade out of whatever, you know, comes in, that uh, there's always somebody that would love to have your problems, you know, out there because our problems are are our problems, but they're minute to some people, you know, and that the man with no arms and no legs would love to have my problems, you know, I'm sure. And um, that's kind of, did I go? <laughs> okay. Um, my brother, how many school, I mean, oh, yeah. you, you had a good upbringing, uh, you know, as far as childhood, yeah. fun, friends, you were involved in sports, but man, I look yeah. back and, and there was a lot of um, ups I became and downs real, and real good at, at getting to know kids and becoming fr friends with, you know, new people, new school. I think there were seven, seven grade schools that I attended. Seven grade schools. And uh, yeah. four junior highs and uh, three high schools. And when I say three high schools, um, <laughs> the last high school was Jantz here in town, but they, I was on a probationary uh, period where everything, I couldn't miss any school or anything, and I was so far behind that, you know, they were watching me with, you know, real close eye, and, and so I had to prove that. That high school diploma means a lot to me now because of school just wasn't my yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't very good. Now I've got a, a, a degree in electrical maintenance, which yeah. I pushed myself to go through. I had the opportunity to go to school and yeah. The hands-on is seemed is where I really excelled. Yeah. But yeah, school was not my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Some of those schools were your choice to you moved in. Some yeah, were not some your weren't. choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Jeff, you you mentioned uh, in one of the questions that I asked is what quality uh, did you know or what qualities did God give you? And you mentioned about being kind and respectful. And I will say this about my brother. One of the things that he had a, a great impact on my life is uh, respecting all human beings. It didn't matter what walk, you know, life, what story, uh, age they were, uh, but I did really also see you uh, when it came to our elders, when it came to our grandparents and their friends and stuff. There was a deep respect that you showed. Uh, you taught me how to, sh you know, kind of like shake a person's hand, look look them in the eye, and again, that's, that's not to... Um, you know, be this obligatory response, but it's a response of honor. It's a response to, to look into somebody and say, your life matters, your life is, is, is valuable. And, and, and so what else did you kind of see as a young child or, or receive like, oh man, you know, and what were some of those other qualities? Well, I've always been a people person, you know, when given a chance, you know, a lot of times I had, you know, bandanas on or, you know, I had a lot of, um, uh, flavor, I guess they mm -hmm. <laughs> call that sometimes, mm -hmm. or whatever. Style. But, but um, it, at any rate, yeah, it, um, uh, I think that um, respect, respecting our elders was a big one. And that had a lot to do with being raised by my grandfather and 
you know, at the time I, you know, was kind of dodging him and stuff because I was the only boy grandchild. Mm -hmm. And so he still believed in the razor strap, you know, and, <laughs> and, and that was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty hardcore when discipline came. But now today I can say that I probably learned more from that man than anybody I've, you know, encountered in my life, you know. And he taught me how to respect and just had to have morals and, and, and the things that you really need to yeah. have in life, I think, yeah. that, that make a difference. People really like to be, to be addressed and noticed and, and, you know, hold the door open or ask, how, how are you today? Or, yeah. You know, not just at the greeting at the door, but, you know, throughout, throughout the day, you know, in all areas, yeah. it does mean a lot. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Let me grab you some water. Yeah. Should I go off the stage now? <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, how many of you in the room have been directly or indirectly impacted by cancer? Raise your hand. Yeah. Just about every person in the room. How many of you have directly or indirectly been impacted by addiction? Okay. Um, we live in a world that's gloomy and, and difficult and challenging. That's why we cling to the resurrection. That's why we cling to grace in our life. But there are some real um, challenges that many of our friends and family and coworkers face uh, all the time. I was just with um, a school educator this past week and they were talking about how many of their staff have gone and sought counseling over the last two years during COVID for alcohol addiction? Teachers. I see two teachers sitting right in front of me, you know, retired teachers. Can you imagine going through, you know, COVID and trying to either be removed from your students or teaching online and just the demand of that, the, the disconnection, the isolation? You know, we talk about our kids, and yes, our kids have been greatly uh, affected by, by COVID, but it, it, it took me back. I mean, they said you would, it would be shocked to see how many teachers have been struggling with uh, addiction through COVID and are seeking counseling and seeking help and support. My brother's story um, had, takes a turn, you know, and uh, drugs and alcohol um, were a part of your life. And the, uh, the power of addiction and being, being succumbed to that and the temptation of that. Would you, um, would you tell everybody about that hold on your life? And I use that word intentionally because I think addiction is, one, it can be a, a grave illness, maybe even more powerful than cancer. Yeah. Um, and it takes a hold of your life. But share with the audience today about addiction in your life and how it started and where it took you and yeah, yeah I, I started uh, I started at a young age and um, I, I mentioned about hockey and stuff like that but I started running with the wrong crowd is usually how it goes and um, and then that led into you know later on in in, in years you know, the children and stuff like that being separated brought me deeper into my addictions and um, yes, it had had a great, great hold on me, and, and that's a good choice of words because I like to say that now I have no chains. 
you know, I, there's nothing that chains me to this earth. And that's the first time I've been able to ever say that in my life. And um, it's a huge feeling. And God didn't just remove the addiction, but he removed, you know, any, um, any desire or, you know, any, any, um, any uh, feeling like I, I, you know, wanted to dabble or get back in. I had never had any, any more, um, like, smoking cigarettes. I smoked for 30-some years. And um, when he took that away, I've never had any, any desire to pick up a cigarette. If anything, I've been real hypocritical about, you know, smoking cigarettes and stuff. But, but um, basically, the cancer kind of saved my life in a way because it really gave me a chance to focus on what's really important. And through this whole thing, my spirituality has grown, you know, tremendously. And um, I, uh, I joke around and say that I put in for the social director job up there, and I think I'm a shoe-in for it. <laughs> but um, in all seriousness, um, I really can't wait to, um, for my day to come. But yet I treat each day here as a gift because that's what it is when I open my eyes. It is a gift each morning. And um, I've asked God for, for more time so that I could show what he's doing in my life and tell people what he's doing because it is really a miracle. And people that know me and people that come around, um, I did a lot of my ministry in the streets, I guess you'd say. And my house was open to everyone. And I live out in Mead, and they don't have place for uh, homeless and that so it was a big revolving door around there for a number of years still is yeah. kind of but I, I now I'm preoccupied with my own problems <clears throat> but yeah the drugs were were huge but to sit here and say that I that I have no chains is is just I can't even express that feeling it's just uh, it's an unearthly feeling because there was always something whether it was a girlfriend whether it was you know alcohol or, or marijuana or cocaine or whatever it was, I tend to grab it and, and, and you know, go with reckless abandon, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so that made it even harder, but it made um, the bounce back even that much sweeter because now I can sit here today and really tell what God's doing in my life and where I've come from. And, and I still can't even believe it, but... Uh, but yet it's true, and, and I, do, I, I do think that I'm blessed, and, and that's, I know that, I, that I'm dying, we're all dying, but um, I didn't even want to know what the timeline was this time. I wasn't supposed to make it to Christmas, and um, here I am. But I've also asked for extended time to, to you know, try to fill the voids that I need to fill with what is supposed to go there, and you know, say, um, say I'm sorry to the people I need to say I'm sorry, the people I need to say I love you, and that I'm, I'm just very, very blessed, and I'm making lemonade out of it again, because, you know, I could sit there and say, you know, for me, for, but like I say, the man with no arms and no legs would love to have my problems, you know, and there's always someone that's got it worse off, mm-hmm. and, and I'm real, real stickler about that, because that really is... I call it my sunshine machine. You know, I fire up the sunshine machine, and I don't want to bring my rainy day onto your sunny side of the street. 
So I try to make sunshine so that I can, you know, add to that. And um, I think, is, did I cover the no, thing? Did we? No, that's it, good. I, yeah. I wanted to um, ask you, and we, we had talked about this a couple of nights ago, just kind of preparing for this interview. Um, brother, what, what would you share to those that, you know, raised their hand that they've been directly impacted by addiction or indirectly impacted? They know somebody, a, a family member. What would you say to them for encouragement? Because your addiction has contributed to a lot of pain, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Your, wa your marriage. Everybody in my family. Your kids. My nephews, my mom, my dad, my stepdad. I mean, every yeah. part of my family that was. Has been impacted yeah, by. You, yeah. Your family. Yeah. And. Um, so what. It's, re a, your it's a tough one, but I would say that. Uh, because the only time I've ever really seen anybody quit is when they're done. And I've been to seven different treatment centers in my life. So I never did quit trying. But when I, when I gave 100%, that's when I finally started seeing things happen. I've always been a Christian, but I was a Christian that waded into the pool and kept one arm up. And so that was my terms, I guess. Yeah. And, and you don't get to make terms, you know. A lot of times our answers come in different forms than what we ever thought they would. <clears throat> but um, truly, uh, when I dove head first into the pool and didn't wade in, that was when I started seeing things happen for the first time. I mean, things really happening. Mm -hmm. And that's when addiction was removed from my life. And and I was just, you know, blessed with, with all the things that, you know, my family's still in my corner, still fighting for me, you know, and I'm able to, you know, to get with them on family functions and do things. And so those things are very important. But to, to, to tell them, I guess I would just say, um, because it is such a tough thing, you know, do you go with the, with the tough love, um, you know, but love from a distance or... Um, I guess, you know, um, it really each case is, is, is different. But um, I do know that it, addiction was, was so important in my life that I put it in front of, you know, my children and my family and things like that. That's why I say today I have no chains, no addictions, no nothing that binds me. You know, if, he wants, if we need to stay later, or whatever, I'm there. Yeah. If you need me there early, I'm there. Yeah. We came early today. You know how many times that's happened in my life? <laughs> you know, maybe Four. half a dozen times. You know, and um, and I shouldn't. I'm not proud of that, but uh, you know, things are changing, and 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 I really am excited that that I can say that today because before we, we would have a family function, and you could guarantee that Jeff will Jeff will be here, but he's going to be a little late. You know, and. He's going to have to leave early, so we all just know that, so we never question it. You know, it was just, okay, love you, you know, and hi, bye. And because I had so much more important things going on, you know, to run home and, you know, had, you know, pipe of marijuana or whatever wait for me or, you know, whatever drug it was at that time. Yeah. Um, and God knows I tried them all um, because, you know, they all quit working at some point in time. Maybe that's something you could look for because in your addiction, you will, ha you will have to move up because this doesn't work anymore and that doesn't work anymore. 
And if you see that progression, then that's one of the signs that you know that the person is starting to spiral out of, <clears throat> out of control. And uh, thank you, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> well, you pause. Go ahead and yeah. take a drink for a second. I was gonna. Um, I want to ask you a couple more questions as we kind of come to the end of our of our interview. Um, I think. Uh, hopefully you heard, I think, I think what, at least what I heard from what Jeff shared about um, going forward, how to help a loved one, how to help a friend is love never fails. And I know there's all kinds of debate and within our family even we've talked about enablement and, you know, and okay, you're just enabling the person to continue down that spiral by helping and whatever. It does come it does come to a point of you have to discern where your loved one, your friend, or wherever, wherever they're at and what you're willing to do. But I think it goes back to uh, scripture where it tells us love never fails. Now that's tough, if that's tough love or it's love from a distance or it's love just wrapped up in, but I think that's what I'm hearing you say. The, uh, the I, I guess the last two questions kind of that I want you to share, and this one might be just a quick answer is last June, so when I was last here preaching and you were in the hospital and you found out the diagnosis that all of a sudden your body is riddled with a new cancer and a cancer that, yeah, we can try through chemo, what did you go through? What, what did you think when you heard that, that, that news? Like, what did your heart, what did your mind, what did you feel? The rubber has hit the road now. And um, it was a big, big awakening. And um, it was at that time when I believe I took the full plunge. We used to call them suicide dives, where you keep your hands at your side and you dive in. Yeah. Real smart thing, you know, but I never did make good choices. <laughs> but anyways, um, that was when I finally had given all of me. And uh, good, for instance, was up there in the hospital one night. Um, I was trying to make it back to my bed, and it was in excruciating pain. And so if you can imagine, I'm crawling on the floor to get back to my bed. And um, all, all I could do was just was to just pray out loud. I didn't care who was there or what was going on. It was just, you know, make me strong, give me strength. Lord, give me, make me strong, give me strength. And the nurses, and I was, I was half crying, half whining, half... Just, you know, kind of just in, in the worst pain I've ever been in. If I would have had a mushroom button then, I probably would have pushed it. But um, the nurses were saying that they were coming with more morphine and blah, blah, blah. And, and all, all this commotion going on. I still hadn't made it back to my bed. But as I was trying to get up into my bed, all of a sudden, I felt something. It was like kind of like being in a nest. But I felt like those two hands kind of went like this and just separated me between the bed and and myself. And and for some reason, I just sat up and told the nurse that it's going to be all right. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know how I knew that. It just was was given to me in that moment that God had me in His hands and that it would be all right. <laughs> I'm sorry if I, I'm this part is tough to go through because it's real. And it really is real. Mm. And when you give 100%, when you come to him with 100%, you will see things change. You know, and I did that night. And um, since then, you know, I've been on this 
big, you know, <laughs> um, we sort of uh, roll about, you know, how, you know, I'm blessed and I'm just, you know, let me, you know, I, I don't really go around knocking on doors, but I get people come to my house all the time and I can't wait for them to ask what, you know, how things are going and what's given my opportunity to share what God's doing in my life because a lot of these people knew me from the streets and a lot of people, you know, knew, you know, my words are not hollow. You know, what I speak, I speak the truth. I have no reason not to, you know, mm -hmm. I'm short term mm -hmm. and I just want to share what he's doing and done because, um, I've almost waited too long, you know, just the simple things like smelling the flowers. That's a very important thing to do. And I overlooked that for 50 some years. Now I want to smell every flower. I want to look and see every, every tree and you know, everything that I can see really means a lot to me. And I appreciate you folks letting me come here and share this with you today. I do. Thank you. Last question. Um, Explain to us, because I have no idea, your, your physical body is wasting away. Do we have that picture? Can you put that picture up? So this is the tale of two brothers. This was a Christmas long, long ago. Um, and I got my brother this T-shirt um, from uh, Tony Dungy of the Minnesota Vikings. My brother's a huge Minnesota Vikings fan. For those of you who know, know Tony Dungy was the defensive coordinator for the Vikings, then he went on to uh, coach the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, and now he's in broadcasting and stuff. Incredible man of God. Uh, if you ever pick up his book, please do. But he had these shirts, and I saw on ESPN one time, he was wearing this shirt on ESPN, it's Victory. And I got it from my brother, and I got Tony Dungy and a couple other Minnesota Vikings uh, to sign the shirt. Yeah, Chris Carter, and uh, and so we and then my mom surprised me. She got a shirt for me, and I didn't know it was a really cool Christmas. You know, long story short, but yeah. So there's there's us with better hair and and uh, yeah, looking uh, pretty dapper, the two of us. But um, how is it, brother, that cancer has taken a hold of your physical life? Obviously, addiction has taken a, a tremendous toll on your physical life, your, your body, right? And yet, my question for you is, how are you, you've shared this with me, how are you living your best life? How are you, find, where are you finding joy? And there's some joy people in the, in the room, too, yes. today. Absolutely. But how are you finding joy through God in the midst of, like, going from death, physical death, which... Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know if tomorrow's going to come. We don't know if next week. We don't know if, if another mini Easter next Sunday is yeah. going to be for you. Yeah, we don't. But how are you finding joy? Um, what is God? That's do? a really good question, Chris. Because um, as strange as this sounds, um, I'm probably the happiest I've ever been in my life, and I'm dying. You know, and uh, I was scared at first, but through the growth in my spirituality and everything. I mean, like you say, I can't wait, but I have asked for an extension because I want to share. You know, I'm really excited because I've never got to say this. You know, I never got to say I'm chainless, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's pretty big. I'm wondering who that guy is up there next to my brother. <laughs> but, yeah, it's the truth. I'm, I'm, I'm probably the happiest I've ever been, and, and I'm dying now. Mm -hmm. And I just um, physically... Um, I just, I, I, 
try to make family events and I try to be uh, involved in, yeah. in whatever I can. And uh, it's just, it's just, I, I really can't even, uh, the, the, the things that I feel are unearthly. And that's how I know it's God because I, I, I stammer and stumble <laughs> I can't even, I can't find the words to even talk about it. But, but it's, it, it's powerful and it's amazing. And, you know, it's the one thing that we all will face is death at some point. And uh, with me, you know, I almost can't wait to, to, to see him and to have that day because I just know it's going to be beautiful. And, um, you know, I, I want to share that because, you know, since we all will face death, you know, I, I, there's ways of, of preparing for that to where, you know, you can be all right and know that you're going to a better place. Yeah. And just, just where, you know, it's just uh, unearthly, you know, I can't yeah, even say, no, yeah. 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 But does that answer your question? No, it's tr well, yeah, tremendous joy yeah, that yeah, you've just, experienced. Um, I through, think you've through family, yeah, and friends, through, yeah, yeah, friends, friends, <laughs> yeah. I think you've experienced God continue to breathe life in you. You talk about like, who am I that I'm this piece of beef jerky that <laughs> yeah. that God continues to breathe life in me? And yeah, yeah. Um, we on the way here, just kind of getting pumped up for the service. And I would encourage you. We don't have time to to share this, but on your way home. You've got Spotify or some music player on your phone or in your car. Look up Elevation Worship, My Testimony. Oh, yeah. And just crank that thing up. Turn the windows down. <laughs> yeah. right? or, you know, roll your windows down. It's a beautiful day. Crank that song up because it talks about, uh, there's a lyric in the song that said, if I'm not dead, he's not done. Yeah. And this is the testimony of my brother. <laughs> he is not dead. God continues to breathe life in him. God is not done with you. I thank you for sharing uh, some of your story today and, and uh, blessing us with your encouragement. Um, do you want to read that last part or do you want me to read it? Yeah. Okay. So there's uh, many of your Jesus Always um, devotional that a friend gave, yeah, Tisha gave to my brother. Um, this one particularly stood out to him. Um, and I'm going to read it and then we'll uh, have the worship team come up. I offer you inexpressibly and glorious joy straight from heaven itself. This triumphant heavenly joy can be found only in me. It is easy to slide ever so gradually from delight in me to living for the next spiritual high. Sometimes I bless you with a taste of heaven's splendor, but the primary purpose of these experiences is to whet your appetite for the next life. Do not underestimate the brokenness of the world you inhabit. Your enjoyment of my presence will always intermingle with the sorrows of living in this fallen world until I take you into glory. Someday you will see me face to face, but for now you love me without having seen me. You believe in me even though you do not see me. This love for me is not irrational or whimsical. It is a response to my boundless passion for you, dramatically displayed on the cross and verified by my resurrection. You worship a risen, living, living Savior. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. Amen. Would you guys all stand? And we're going to finish with one last song.